Hello, and welcome to the Develop Podcast. My name is Ben Gilbert, and I'm hosting a series of episodes which explore how the Salvation Army is working with different communities around the world. In this episode, I speak with Chris Brecker, who heads up the International Development Office for the Salvation Army in Norway. Chris Brecker, Bo Chris Brecker, known as Bo to some and Chris to others. My name is Bo Christopher, and uh, by Eng- in English, I've always gone by Chris. And in Norway, a lot of people just call me Bo. Right. And uh, my mother would call me Bo Christopher. So you can call me whatever you want. Okay, so, well, I'll call you Chris. It's easier. That's fine for me. That's <laughs> fine. Right. Chris is one of the key people behind Others, which is a business enterprise that the Salvation Army is rolling out in several countries to help lift people out of poverty. And so South Asia has always been close to your heart. What's the history there? My parents were Salvation Army officers, so um, we moved to Sri Lanka when I was two and uh, stayed there for a good number of years. And then uh, again to Bangladesh when I was 11 and stayed until I was 18. So uh, coincidentally, that's when uh, Salian started uh, during my parents' time at the end. Throughout this episode, you may hear what Chris refers to as Sally Ann. As well as being one of the more general, friendly nicknames of the Salvation Army, in this context it refers to the original project of helping communities produce craft products to sell. We'll hear later on in the episode where Chris explains how others grew out of Salian. So it's been really encouraging sometimes to go back, for example, to one of those first villages that was first linked onto the Salian program and visit one of the ladies who's sort of the group leader there who was... She she became she part of the group you when you were like four years old. Oh something. yeah, well some some <laughs> of them have done that and uh, but but you know sort of uh, coming to a place where you're invited into a a big nice brick house with uh, lots of rice laying outside, uh, preparing for take being taken to market and they can say this is our house we built it this is our property, and then uh, you can be told afterwards that yeah when they started you know uh, with Sally Ann they were living in a tin shed by the side of the road, and this is like, this is where they are now. And that sort of shows, um, uh, and, you, and you know, saying that, well, yeah, our, our kids are now been through college and they're, uh, they have good jobs in the city. It's, it's kind amazing. of, uh, yeah, that's the journey that some of these people have taken over that time. And yeah. I guess that's what really is the driving force behind others. Yeah. And what a privilege for you to be able to see that and remember it, have those Memories of when you were a child, looking at those same communities, having those those friendships, and then seeing them now, you know, in your current position. Yeah, it's, I mean, Bangladesh uh, is, is one of those countries in the world that's made massive progress the last few decades uh, in terms of uh, development and alleviating poverty. And trade export is a big part of what's been driving that. And then you know that that has its good sides and it has its bad exploitative sides as well, right? You have remember images of factory collapses and whatever, and, and that's one side of the story that we get. But at the same time, there's millions of people who who have also had their lives positively changed by, by working in the garments industry or whatever. So our sort of vision and, and mandate is to get those people who are not even close to being able to get those, you know, factory jobs or, or whatever, you know, giving, giving a job down at the village level, at the, at the community level and doing it well and doing it uh, fairly. I mean, that's what we want to be about. So, uh, yeah. 
So when we buy those products, mm. you know, whether we buy it online or in a shop mm. somewhere, um, what what difference is that actually making to those producers and the communities that we're working with in mm. places like Bangladesh? Mm. So I mean, that's what it's all about. Obviously, is is the difference that it's making at, at that level. So the short answer is that you're giving a job to somebody who needs a job. I mean, that's that's kind of the underlying philosophy of of others. Uh, very Salvation Army way of thinking, you know. We've been working on since the days of William Booth, so this is just another expression of that. And uh, basically our producers are recruited through the Salvation Army's local community work. Probably the majority of our groups would be organized around a local community, a village somewhere, or yeah, or, or in urban settings as well. But there you sort of have uh, primarily women, but also men who, who sort of... Uh, many have never had paid employment, for example. Many have uh, maybe come from single-income households, been very vulnerable, uh, you know, fluctuating work situation or whatever. It's, it's been sort of uh, people coming from a vulnerable background uh, who have been able then to uh, produce uh, items for us where we define uh, what is... Uh, considered to be a fair wage in that uh, local context and in those situations uh, they can work as much or little as they want uh, in, in order to uh, be able to combine with for example caring for a child or, or, or things like that. For many of, of our producers in this kind of context it'll be the first time they, they have a paid income, uh, contribute to the household and you're you're contributing basically to everything you would spend your money on, you know, when you when you make money. So people will always tell us. I think number one is that well, the money that I get from others I, I, has allowed me, given me the space to put my kids in school for keep them in school for longer, or you know, get them a better education, get them tutoring, get them school uniforms, books, stuff like that. Uh, or they've bought, you know animals to care for and, and sell, you know, and make more money, or, or they've uh, invested in building a house or, you know, buying property or, you know, gradually uh, preparing to build their own house. I mean, we have lots of these stories of producers that sort of show this kind of gradual social mobility, you know, that, that uh, they've been able to come out of a, a really subsistence situation, a really vulnerable situation to to have that little surplus that you need to sort of gradually build your way. So I would say that's kind of the, uh, the story that would capture the majority of our groups. Then we do also have some groups that are coming out of uh, sort of very specific projects. So uh, like in, in Bangladesh, there's a project in old Dhaka in the capital city that works with uh, former sex workers uh, who first go through a Salvation Army program for a year to, to get various forms of training and Everything from literacy to basic education and health rights, yeah, various issues like that, and then also vocational skills. And uh, and the, uh, some of those uh, women who are coming through that program are also linked with others, and, and it, it becomes sort of a, a, a source of income outside of the sex industry, for example, for, for women from that. So, yeah. concretely, you're you're giving a job to someone who needs a job. I think that's yeah. that's that's amazing. The summary. So yeah. we'd just be fascinated to understand a little bit more about how others became others and the history mm -hmm. behind it and what it is. Could you just give us a little bit of a history of others? Uh, the history, I guess, stretches back as far as 1997 uh, in Bangladesh, where Salian emerged out of sort of uh, experience coming from various 
vocational training projects and other community projects where you sort of gave training to people in certain traditional handicraft skills or whatever. Uh, and then after the project period, people just sort of had to go find a job. And uh, for many people, it was difficult still to, to, to get into that market uh, after just a couple of years of training. And so you might have been helping people really while the training was going on. But then once the training was over, that next step of actually getting a job and getting their products to a market and stuff like that was, was difficult. So Salvation Army decided to, to say, okay, well, let's help them with that next step. Let's set up our own shop, define products in a way that we think will actually meet us a specific market and help people to get actually get that first job. So um, started as a local initiative there with uh, just a, a small shop in the capital city of Dhaka, which uh, sort of targeted a very specific kind of high-end market that was there uh, in the community. And, and it did really well and it, it grew um, fairly quickly to a certain level. And after a number of years, there was a feeling that, okay, we've kind of maximized the market here We're in, in Dhaka, like, so where can we expand? And the, the thinking quickly came that, well, it must be the export market because uh, there's a big world out there where there's a lot of stuff bought and sold and we want to be a part of that. The first link came to, uh, first international link came to Norway uh, and in 2003, I believe, uh, Sally Ann started their first concept store outside of Bangladesh. So that was in Oslo, Norway. So this ran on for a while and uh, on the producer side, so Bangladesh being the main producer country, uh, uh, things were going really well. New producer countries were added. Pakistan came on board, Kenya, a couple other countries were involved, Peru at one stage. But we found that in the context that we were selling the products internationally, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, it was difficult at that level to be profitable running just a concept store on your own. Like uh, either you need to have a lot of stores to, to get down the overhead costs or you need to think differently. So profitability on that side was a challenge and a key part of what what we wanted to achieve was to be really profitable at every level so this would be a self-sustaining concept just from its own sales we'll be able to sustain the operation at every level from the producer who's got a fair wage and good working conditions right up through the shop that you're selling it in any part of the world it should be able to be sustained on its own so we wanted to kind of find new ways of selling the product, structuring our sales operation, make it more flexible, more differentiated, uh, not just dependent on these kind of high maintenance concept stores. And uh, we defined a number of sales channels that we wanted to try. And we felt that we wanted to start fresh with a new brand and, and uh, target ourselves, not just, for example, to a female uh, audience in terms of uh, potential customers, but as broadly as possible and uh, we wanted sort of to have a name that could be appeal broadly and that we could use and uh, so we decided on the name Others uh, taken from this sort of famous Salvation Army folklore <laughs> uh, yeah. about a, a William Booth telegram yeah, yeah. to to address uh, a, a group of officers or a congress or something like that where he sent a telegram with only that one word, others being sort of some something to guide our focus and our thinking. So we can buy others' products now in Norway, Denmark, Switzerland, and the USA? Yeah, so um, we, uh, at the moment, our, our biggest uh, markets, uh, obviously Bangladesh still uh, sells stuff locally. Uh, Norway has a, a sales operation, which I can say a little bit about how, how we're going about it. Also, USA... 
certainly three of the territories are, are quite actively involved and Canada is starting to pick up things as well. So we're starting to broaden our reach a little bit on the sales side and, and uh, really exciting, particularly North America, which is obviously a huge market. But then we know we're still only scratching the surface of potential here. So yeah. there's so much more we can do, but uh, we want to make sure that we, we sort of build gradually and sustainably uh, on the sales side as well. So basically what we decided to do was to, to have kind of four main sales channels that we want to test out. And uh, one of them is rather than running our own shops, we wanted to get our product into existing chains and existing uh, independent stores. And in Norway, that's been really our main success uh, where we've had one year over 10 different chains, totaling about 800 uh, shops that we had stuff in. And uh, Obviously, that's uh, a sales channel that gives us really high volumes in terms of the orders to producer countries. So uh, rather than having a concept store with 200 products and you have uh, 10 of each, you know, then, then you have two products, but you have 10,000 of each. You know, it's, it's a different kind of dynamic, uh, which is actually really good for production and, uh, and mm -hmm. consistency. We've worked on that channel, the really uh, developing that, particularly in, in Norway for the time being is where we've had the most success. Uh, also had some experience in Sweden prior to that, which was really the eye-opener for sort of, well, this is the way we can move. Then we've worked also a lot on sort of business-to-business -business sales, corporate sales, so everything from corporate gifts to sort of supplying events to other kinds of sales. We have worked also a lot with Salvation Army, like volunteers and internal sales channels, and uh, particularly in the U.S., North America, that's been an important entry point. And the final piece, obviously, these days that you need to have is online sales. So uh, our own web shops, we, we do have in a, in a few countries. So, yeah. Great. So we've got plans and discussions on how to get others' products into the U.K. Have you got any one or two tips of advice for us <laughs> as we try and get it in? I don't know how much I can say on this podcast. Can I promise uh, lots of stuff and then <laughs> then, then, we're, well, it's, it's, then we're committed to making it happen? No, I mean, that we're, we are working on, on some concrete uh, opportunities. First and foremost, we, we're hoping we get some products available uh, already soon through IHQ's uh, venue in, in, in London there just as, a, as an initial starting point and then we have some dialogues at the territorial level uh, which we hope will, will turn into some uh, permanent sales channels for others' products uh, in, in yeah. the UK. So I would just say stay tuned, I guess. Stay and, tuned, uh, yeah. Our website, tradeforhope.com, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll, we'll update that with info as we get anything uh, new about uh, the UK. Uh, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, definitely yeah. stay tuned. Hmm. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for your time. Thank you for sitting outside in uh, wherever we are now in Tanzania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Bending off mosquitoes. But um, it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ben. And uh, thanks for all your support for the other concerts. As always, you can find out more information on our website, www.salvationarmy.org.uk forward slash ID We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube Follow and subscribe for news of upcoming episodes